You're listening to Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am your host, Brent Bergherm, and in this episode, I'm joined by two of my podcasting buds, Connor Hibbs and Jeff Harmon. Fellas, welcome. It's so good to see you guys. Hey. You. Long time no talk. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Connor. And Jeff, uh, you're joining us as well. You just got back, Jeff, from uh, Yellowstone National Park, right? I did. I did. It was so much fun to go there. Nice. Did you, you do any shooting while you were out there, or is yeah. it more just looking oh, around? Oh, I definitely did a lot of shooting. It was uh, it was mostly overcast almost the entire time. All right. so, oh, really? So light was pretty good almost all the time, and everyone there wanted to stop and take pictures with me as soon as I saw something interesting that I wanted <laughs> pictures of. So it worked out super good. We went hard, though. Like We, we got up early because the wildlife is out. Yeah. Early morning so we got up i was up at before six every morning and uh, getting out there so that we could see the wildlife and there was a big event in the park that happened the week before we went Uh, a big grizzly bear took an elk down in the main yellowstone river so it's just like right off the road yeah and the bear's been like there protecting his kill all week and and so there there were some really good opportunities to be able to get grizzly bear photos. And there were like two grizzly bears kind of went at it a little bit over the kill. It, it was so fun. It was Man, great. I'm, I'm jealous. My, my so wife cool. and I got back from Yellowstone and Tetons just at the beginning of the month. And we saw we saw some bison, but otherwise bison and some some uh, rams, what are bighorn sheep. But otherwise, we didn't see much in regards to the wildlife at all. Huh. Um, so I'm jealous of your your bear sightings. That sounds really awesome. <laughs> and there all the other things too. I I came back with about 2,500 images that I'll be going through over the next several weeks. And, <laughs> yeah, very and cool. Those. So yeah, if, if people are interested, they can go check out my social media accounts, and I'll be putting my photos and like settings that I use and all that there. So you can that's awesome. So Connor, other than uh, Yellowstone, what have you been up to? Um, you know, I I am. In school to become a civil engineer, so right. that takes up a lot of my time. And um, with COVID, my, my photography business has been hurt quite a bit. But it just happened to work out where this was around the time that I needed to start working internships. And so the, I, I was actually dreading my summer pre-COVID because I was worried about trying to run a business during my busy season yeah. and being in an internship and doing summer school and, well um, – Situations being what they were, really only two of those things were a problem, okay. and even that kept me probably busier than I have ever been. So, uh, there there has been some good that has come out of it, just in terms of it's really made me focus on organization and keeping track of everything. And as my business is starting to build back up, I have a bunch of new systems put into place, nice um, with file management and things of that sort. That has me pretty jazzed and excited to. Um, well, for business to bounce back. So I feel like I have all of my systems in place in a way that they never have been before. Um, but otherwise, Yellowstone recently with my wife, we had a, a nice little getaway. We did Yellowstone and Tetons. And I challenged myself to shoot more video than than oh, photos. So cool. I, I think that I came back with maybe 200 photos and a lot of video. I, I quickly edited together a little two-minute video of the Yellowstone day that we had there. Um, and then I, I still haven't gotten through and made a video for my Tetons day yet because, well, I'm, I'm busy. Yes. <laughs> I haven't had time to, but that, that's something that I look forward to doing with the spare moments that I can find between everything else in the next month or so. Awesome. Well, as, as far as our, our main topic for today, it sounds perfect that you guys are here with me because this topic has been on my mind. It's our creative spaces and what we do with our creative spaces. How can we maximize all that kind of stuff? So Jeff, you're going to be in there because you've got these 2,500 images. Connor, you've been in there because of your schooling and everything online and things like that. You're just in your office, your studio, just a lot. And yeah. this has really been on my mind a whole lot. I've been away from the show quite a for quite a little while too because, my goodness, uh, when when uh, the end of August kind of came along, things just really hit like mad. And 
we've got, you know, I was starting school uh, very soon, and then, of course, we moved. And so we now are uh, roughly four weeks into our new property. And so one of the big things is I needed to build an office because I did not have anywhere to do my stuff. And I went through all the thinking. I was like, well, I could use my shop. I have a 2,800 square foot shop. And I was thinking, oh, I'll just do a temporary thing. I'll just set up my desk and I'll just, you know, do whatever. And then, you know, like, it'll be an echo chamber though, because it's 2,800 <laughs> square feet and a nice solid concrete floor. And I was like, I really don't want to do that. Plus winter's coming. Although I do have a Blaze King wood burning stove right there in the shop as well. But I was like, no, that's going to be too, just everything's going to be just too distracting. It's not going to be my space that I want to go into to be creative and to get my work done. So I was just like, I got to have that space somehow, somewhere. So that's where, you know, this kind of idea came into mind. I was just like, let's talk about this. What is important in our creative spaces? So what I've decided to do, we also have a three-car garage. And I took one of those bays, I took half of one of those bays, I should say, and made myself an office. And, you know, we're talking from, I put up three walls because one of the walls already had drywall on it. Made a subfloor to go over the concrete floor, put a ceiling, insulation, electrical, everything from the ground up. And now I'm starting to put the final touches on and I was starting to think about flooring. I was just like, you know, what's going to be important for me with flooring? Now comes those design decisions of what do we do with our spaces? And so I decided I'm going to create, I really like making my own stuff. And so I decided I'm going to create plywood plank flooring that I custom stain with mixing two different stains together. And that'll be my floor, which I'm probably just going to cover with some kind of area rug, but that's okay. There's still (laughs) a bit of pride or something maybe in that space uh, of doing that kind of work that way. So anyway, that's where where we're at uh, talking about this topic of our creative space is what's important. And also, I put a question in in the Facebook group. And we have plenty of listener feedback from the Facebook group item. So I'm just thrilled to uh, be just having this conversation with you guys because I'm sure from you two guys and from our listeners, I'm probably going to get some ideas of what I would love to have in my space as well as I'm putting those final touches on. So let's get to our must-haves as it relates to what we need in our home studio. And, and I'm going to ask each of you guys for that one item that is just what is it that you just absolutely need in your space for your, you know, your your studio, your office, whatever you call it? And I guess first off, what do you call it? How do you characterize the space that you do all your work in? Jeff, you can go first. Okay, so if I have to pick one thing, <laughs> just to start off with, we'll get into all those other things. Yeah, that's the reason I had you go first because okay. I have to think through these for a second. <laughs> so I I think the chair might be the most critical thing in my creative space. And I've gone through several now. So I, I not only do I do this in my office while I am uh, working on photos, I, this is where I do my job. I've been a remote worker for two years. So way before COVID started. And so I'm, I'm in my office every day, all day. (laughs) My, my wife calls it the cave because she says I go into my cave and I I just don't ever come out until she forces me out. Yeah. Because if I'm not working on my day job, I'm working on photos. It's right. just like always happening. And so um, or, or working on the podcast or working on like photo taco articles or whatever. I've always got something I'm doing. There's never a moment I'm I'm like, wow, what should I do? Right. <laughs> so so the the room itself, it, I didn't we, you know, we built this house a few years ago. It wasn't a, a a major consideration. It was just kind of a normal, like the the house building plan we had was just a normal bedroom that I made into my office. I just designated this bedroom as my office space. <clears throat> so, if I was to do it again, I might I might m- take some more considerations there in in making it an actual office instead of just a converted bedroom. Sure. Um, I'd have to think about what exactly I'd change. Maybe the the, the dimensions of the closet. Anyway, the thing that is is the most important to me then has been the chair. Sure. And so I've I've bought a whole bunch of like you know the Office Max chairs. I've bought like Amazon Basics chairs. I've I've been been through those and um, most of them sitting in them for for eight hours uh, would be very tiresome and and really cause problems for me. 
And, um, and I know there's, there's been like tons of studies and research done on this and there's things called task chairs that are, have all of that research put into them to make it so that they fit you well and, and make it they're more comfortable. Um, there, you can spend a lot of money on chairs. It's, it's like anything in the world though. Mm-hmm. You, you can find <laughs> ways to spend tons of money on anything you're looking for and get top of the line and name brand and, uh, so I, some of the chairs that I really wanted to try were just way too expensive. There was no way I was going to spend that much money on a chair where I landed and one that I've been so, so happy with, uh, had it for about six months now. It's called the Duramont ergonomic adjustable office chair. It's uh, available on Amazon for only three thirty, which might sound like a lot for a chair, but compared to the competition, like the market it's competing in, those are well over a thousand dollars that the same kind of chair, like Herman Miller and some other brands would have. Uh, it's comparable to those at only three hundred thirty. So it was, it's way less expensive than the brands it is trying to compete with. And uh, I have really been liking it. It's fit me. It's very adjustable, so you can you can really fit it to you, and uh, and that really makes a big difference. I no longer worry about or or feel like too tired to do any more work because the chair is is just so good. So that's been a, that's a huge huge factor for me. Nice, yeah, I can identify as as well with that needing to work on just not just your photos, but other things, because my classes this quarter are all online. And so I would love to be able to work from home as soon as I get this space finished. And so there's gonna be lots of time that I will be spending there myself. And people have already called it the man cave or the the, the boy <laughs> cave or whatever. It's like, yep, it's it's mine, <laughs> at least for a, a while. Once I get things in my shop planned out well, I'm going to create an even better space. It'll be my print studio. But I decided I needed something quick, and I'm going to do this. And and so that's where uh, we're coming with um, coming at at that with uh, on our space now. But Connor, how about you? Have you had some time to think about? If you were to boil it down, even if it's not just your top item, just an item, uh, what is one of the the one of the top items that you want to lead off with? Yeah, well, I mean, I will also put my emphasis behind a chair. I would say okay. that that probably is my first choice as well, because having a nice adjustable ergonomic chair is so important, especially if you're sitting behind a desk, if you're sitting down for so much of the day, it's important to have something that actually supports you properly and uh, keeps you from hunching over and getting in positions. I know I have a tendency, especially when I edit, I want to be closer and closer and closer to my screen all of the time. And I end up finding myself curled up in a weird (laughs) way where if I have a chair that forces me into a proper posture, um, I tend to say, stay seated back against the backrest that has the proper support. Um, so that's pretty high on my list. I I would also say that I, my monitor setup is pretty important to me. So my, my primary working computer is a 15 inch MacBook pro. Um, but I, in my office have two other monitors that are just at my eye level. So if I, if I sit and look straight ahead, I am looking right at the middle of both of my monitors because they're on a little bit of a stand, um, behind my MacBook and having those three monitors is is something that may be overkill for certain types of workflow. I find it incredible for being able to to edit on one screen, have have close ups of my shots on another or being able to go through and find different assets if I'm doing compositing work, things of that sort. Um, and it's also nice just to have one monitor that's set aside for miscellany so so my my music applications or um, my internet browsers because inevitably weird little questions will pop up in my head and just being able to quickly hop over there and not having to shuffle through applications to find what i am looking at having everything that i need laid out in front of me is just something that i i would say is probably up there with chair as one of the most important things in my office yeah, I think that makes sense. And I like how you're using your your MacBook Pro's screen as well. I don't do that. I have two monitors right now in front of me. One's a widescreen 34-inch ultra-wide, and then I have a standard 1080 to the side. And I don't really use that a whole lot. That's for previewing a few quick items and doing the controls for my, my video recording and whatnot, because I'm doing lots of video recordings this quarter since I have all online classes. Yeah. But... 
it is, uh, it's not something where I felt the need for that third screen. That would be interesting to bring in that third screen as whatever it could do. You know, I, I know it would certainly drive it just fine. Uh, but, but that's interesting that you have that third option there for that third screen. But yeah, also, I, I go ahead. I tend to sit on the side of the more screen space you have, the more yeah. you will find reasons to fill that screen yeah. space. <laughs> if, I, if I could have a fourth monitor, I'm sure that I would make great use of it. Yeah. And, and for a long time, I was running just two monitors. And I'd say that's, that was great. But really, that was just my working applications that I needed to hop between those two screens. Was uh, It was fine. But having that third screen for just extra real estate where I can put a finder window in there and, yeah. and be able to search through files or have my to-do list for the day. Things yeah. like that is really nice. Yeah. In mine that I have the ultra wide, it is like 3440 pixels wide by 1440 tall. So it is really wide. And so that's basically yeah. like two screens already. And yeah. I, I frequently have two things here and then the third thing over there. And it and it's, it's a good setup. Um, this is only my school office at home. I have just two standard 24-inch 1080s. And and that's what I use for home. But anyway, for my thing, the the one thing, especially when I'm at home, but even when I'm at work, it just has to be quiet. So this is not a physical item. It's just a, a sense of being. I am that type of person that needs that separation from these other things, whether it's the kids, whether it's whatever. And if I just need that that sense of quiet and peace and solitude, whatever. So for my solution, it's in our detached garage. It is away from the house. You know, I don't hear the the noise of the things running back and forth because let me tell you, my six-year-old, he pounds those feet on the floor like mad. And that just wouldn't be conducive to trying to focus and and be creative. Uh, And I don't think it only means audio level either though. So uh, while I have a textured wall and I'm proud of my texturing job that I've done, it's like the 10th wall I've done or something like that. But um, just the fact that, you know, using paint, the, the paint colors you're using, not, not too loud. So my walls are a, a, actually a really close to middle gray. And then I have a super dark blue ceiling. It's almost black. So it feels like the dark of night up there. And then, um, I'd mentioned about my floor already, but I do have one wall that is a bright, brilliant orange and it looks pretty much just like orange juice. It's a nice bright orange, and it's a really beautiful accent wall. I love orange. It's my second favorite color, as it were. But it's my happy wall, so to speak. It's that kind of <laughs> uplifting, bring you up. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be all right. So orange is my is my one thing. But I don't always have to look at it. I can always turn this way, and it's just gray. <laughs> I go over there, and then it's going to be orange. So Gray, gray is your favorite color? You no, said no, no, no. The blue, blue is my favorite color. Uh, okay. Orange is my second favorite color. But really, it's my favorite for accenting and things like yeah. that. I just, you know, my luggage is orange. My, I have a jacket that's orange. I've got so much orange things going on already. You, you might think it's my favorite color, but I have more blue than than anything else. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that orange. That's where ah, it's just like that little splash of creativity. That little splash of just energy, something to kind of kick the retina into high gear, so to speak. And and um, I don't know. Consider me crazy. That's fine. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I would I, – I've considered doing an accent wall in my office. Yeah. And I – if I were to do an accent wall, it would just be a different shade of gray. Yeah. And <laughs> – and and the thing that that gets to me there is especially with orange I don't know it's it, it probably has no science to stand up and be behind it but I would worry that that would throw off my color adjustments right. in my photos yes um, like I I feel like just from reflecting light off of that wall in the room it's going to change the color cast in the room and I would worry that that's going to change the way that I edit photos in a way that I wouldn't necessarily like but I mean more power to you excellent that's point you that's exactly why I did not put it behind the monitor behind the monitor i didn't put it behind me which would be reflected in the monitor and i didn't put it on my right hand wall because i'm going to be sitting closer to the right hand wall it's on my left hand wall so i can turn my way you know i've turned my head away plus i have the lights and the ceiling i've got two different lights i can just turn off that light that's closer to it so it will minimize its effect i totally did think about that and yeah, that's that's something to be thinking about for sure. In my previous office, it was a very light beige 
almost an ivory color, really, and a very light blue, a very light sky blue uh, were the colors because they were just leftover paint. And I was like, I'm not going to do leftover paint. This is going to be done. It's going to be planned for this purpose. And I'm going to just make it happen. And I, I, I had to have gray for the standard walls, but I figured I just have to have that one piece of accent because when I'm sitting there at the computer, uh, a little something I think would is going to be beneficial. But like I told my wife and my wife agreed, if I need to, we can totally repaint it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it, not it gonna, is just paint. It is not going to be that big of a deal at all. So we'll see how it goes. And, you know, if, if three months down the road, a month down the road, I decided to change it, you know, I'll certainly be making an update because and let, let everyone know because I just think for now, I think it's going to be a nice thing to have. So, so the gray. Yeah. Let me ask about the gray. Yeah. Did you do that so that you can shoot against it? Or is this just purely an editing space? No, just, not a not studio. Yes, excellent question. This is just purely an editing space, and I did not do what I would probably do when I have more planning. I'm going to take some of those paint swatches from Home Depot, and I'm going to color scan them, and I'm going to really see exactly are they neutral gray. Because, right. I, you know, when you're in Home Depot, they have their certain lighting. And when you buy yeah. your lighting, you know, I bought the lights that can go 5,000... Uh, color temperature well my monitor is um, 6500 calibrated so there's always going to be a little bit difference there too so what are we you know truly looking at there so um, I want to make sure that gray is going to be as neutral as can be but it also you know let's face it it's Home Depot paint or wherever paint there's always going to be the chance for a slight impurity we got to give up a little bit anyway on that absolute perfection but we're going to be really close at least and then that's going to be able to give me the consistency that I would expect because the the wall behind it is going to be a nice – it's not going to be very well lit. So it will end up being a darker gray just because it's not well lit. But then I do have a light that I embedded in the wall for when I'm on camera. I just flip that switch and then I'm front lit. So it will be uh, only for when I'm on camera though. I'm not going to use that certainly because I'll blind myself if I'm doing that when I'm editing. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Okay, so, so when you say creative space, you're you're talking purely like editing photos. It's not anything to do with shooting anything. That is actually, yes, that's very much the case. And while I will have my printer in there, I wouldn't call this my print studio either because of the lighting is not going to be as controlled as I will have it once I do my print studio. So this is kind of an intermediary space for me. But yes, no shooting is planned to go in there except for just video tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's kind of similar to me. I mean, I, for anybody that knows me, you may know that I have a, a separate studio space that's in downtown Colorado Springs. I live just outside of Colorado okay. Springs. So this is this is really my office. It's my workspace right. where I try to get all of my editing and things of that sort done. Once in a while, I'll grab my, my laptop and edit on my couch out in the living room if my wife is wanting someone close by. But sure. <laughs> Generally, this is this is where I try to get all my work done. Yes, absolutely. So, what else do you guys have in your creative spaces? Uh, you know, you, you both mentioned highly ranked the idea of a chair, and yeah. uh, then you, we also mentioned monitors and the like. I then mentioned quiet and solitude, that kind of a thing. But then I went with a loud orange wall. What else? <laughs> what else do you guys uh, think is important in these creative spaces where you can get your work done effectively and efficiently? I think another uh, important aspect for me is the amount of desk space. I've got, uh, I think it's an IKEA desk that I, yeah. I got, but it's, it's really wide and spread out. It like wraps around the corner of the room, so it okay. goes. It takes like two sides of the room. Yeah, that I, that I have for editing, and that just. It allows me to have, I have a bunch of monitors, I have a printer, I have lenses, I have stuff out that, um, that I use for various, you know, all, all the things I'm involved in and having that space. It's, it's always too cluttered though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> always too cluttered. Like I really want to have it be an organized space, but I'm so involved in things that I just, they get deprioritized. I don't uh -huh. spend the time to make sure that it's decluttered until my wife finally says, enough, you're cleaning now. <laughs> so That's... thank goodness she's there to help me with that. Nice. 
That's usually me that says that. I'm just like, if there's a horizontal surface, it's going to have something set on oh, top of it. For sure. And I'll get to the point, especially at my school office, it's really bad. But both places, either place, it gets really bad. And I'll just be like, nope, I can't work. <laughs> <laughs> I will spend an hour cleaning because my work will be so much better if I if I do that decluttering for sure. And, and yeah, that, I totally hear that with the it, it just gets too full too quick. Connor, how about yourself? You know, what you guys describe is an issue that I used to have. And literally since the beginning of, of COVID till now, I, I started implementing um, organization systems that I thought would work for me. And I've like almost made a little hobby of when I notice that I, something is gathering in a spot, trying to find a way to make it more appealing for me to, to clean up. So nice. part of my daily routine now that I can't go to bed until I have returned my office space to neutral, as I call it. So Ooh. I, I li- line up, like I get freakish about it, where I line up my ruler so it looks just perfect exactly where <sighs> I want it. I have everything in its right spot. And I mean, right now I can't, I couldn't turn my, my camera and have you see, because I have an assignment sitting out right next to me, but that's just cause I'm not done with it. Of yet. course. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, cleanliness and an aesthetically appealing place is actually really important to me. Um, since I'm in here all the time, I want a place that, uh, is pleasant for me to be in. So I, I have a really nice little, uh, chair set up in the corner where I can go sit down and read or work in in this more stylish chair versus an office chair. And I have my organizer behind me that has lots of little trinkets and knickknacks from my life that I occasionally will like to just turn around when I need a moment to space out. Yes. I can turn around and look at things and be, be happy looking at those. And I have other little pieces of decor. I think that, that um, for me, Having speakers in my room is really important to me. Yeah. I know some people do sound systems, headphones, and having a really nice pair of headphones would do the same thing. Um, I like having the ambient awareness of mm-hmm. my house. If my wife is calling for me or something, I like being able to still hear that where I'm not completely, completely cut out. Yep. Um, but I have speakers set up so that I can mostly tune out the rest of the world. And there's sometimes when, if there's a lot of ambient noise that would otherwise be distracting to me, I'll actually put on a white noise uh, playlist just on shuffle, just to add a little bit of masking to all the noises that are around me. Um, And that, that can really help me focus. So I've really tailored my space to um, be enjoyable for me to sit in. And I think that that's really important. And I, I would actually even give a plug to the book, getting things done in which they talk about implementing systems. Like what I talked about to, Hey, if, if you have things sitting out everywhere, that just means you haven't found a, a way to keep yourself organized. You haven't found a system that helps you keep yourself organized. And Reading that book really helped me put together systems that actually work for me. So once in a while, I'll have a little mess pile up and I'll just go, all right, it it takes me 15 minutes. Everything's cleaned up and it's back to neutral. It's great. Um, So I don't know exactly what what I'm getting to. I hit a lot of things. That's good. I love it because (laughs) you you come in fresh every morning and things are just ready to go. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's the idea. No, no worries about what needs to be done before I can actually start. Yeah. I can get down to business right away. And it doesn't matter what business you need to get down to because yeah. you have your assignments, you have your photography, all these other things. It's like you said, it's set back to neutral and you can go in any direction you need to go. That's, that's beautiful. And I, I was looking around my office thinking, do I have that book? Because I'm pretty sure it's been either in my Amazon shopping list or I have bought it. I don't know, but uh, getting things done is... Uh, I've heard others talk about that for sure. So that's yeah, that's good. It's one that I had in my Audible playlist for a very long time. Not like I had bought it a long time ago when it was on sale or something. I had heard somebody say it was worthwhile. And I just never really got around to it. And I was looking for a book, decided to start that one and went, okay, yep, I'm yep. changing my life now. And cool. I mean, this this isn't so far in that I say, oh yeah, that's, I am a new person forever and all of this. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, this has been since March and I haven't had a messy office once where before it was like, I would clean up and within a matter of a few weeks, I would just have junk everywhere. Yes. Yes. And, and now that doesn't happen to me, which is great. Nice. And that it's a Nirvana. I just don't know is achievable for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, and part of my problem, I guess it's, like even though it would only take 15 minutes, like you say, and, and it does go faster when I do finally focus on it and, and declutter and get things put away. Uh, but 
right now I'm in a place where it's like if I have I have my two kids and if if one is off to soccer practice and my wife is driving the other to dance, I think, oh, I have 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to edit a photo for, and I'm going to spend 20 minutes on it until she gets back and then I'll, we'll do whatever else we, we need to do. I don't want to spend 15 of those 20 minutes trying to clean up and declutter. <laughs> I want to get to the, the task, yep. work on my photos. When she's back, I rejoin her and, and we go about our, our evening or whatever we're, we're doing. I have these little moments or, uh, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm going to work on podcast notes or yeah. whatever it is. There's always stuff where I'm like, no, priority wise, this is way more important than, than that right now. Which I think is a, a totally legitimate argument to, to have with it. I, I would say that really even my 15 minutes, that's, that's when a mess is building up and I haven't right. been paying attention. The other thing that I would argue with that is that I don't, it's not in the middle of the day where I'm like, okay, now is the time to tidy up. <laughs> it is the last thing that I do in my office when, when I am shutting down my office for, and I'm going to go out and have dinner and I'm not coming back for the night. I will take three, four minutes and just have an effort where I put everything away. Then I schedule once a week. I have an inbox where anything that I can't put away right now because it doesn't have a place. It's new things that have come into my house. I put it in my little inbox on my desk. And once a week, I will spend five minutes, 10 minutes or so just going through the inbox, finding stuff, putting it in its place and getting rid of it. So part, part of this is implementing, I guess, uh, a to-do list system that you can get through. Again, something that is... Um, gone through in that getting things done book that I would highly recommend. But it, it's something that I used to feel like, oh, yeah, cleaning is such a chore. And now I realize, oh, when you're doing everything in very, very tiny increments, it actually becomes pretty easy to keep keep a fairly tidy yeah. space once you have your systems in place. But yeah, gosh, it, it takes some effort to get to that point. <laughs> right, right. Place, yeah. which is, that's one thing where you have to say, all right, at at least a day, if not multiple days, it's going to take me the full day to get through this, which not everybody has. And I can't. Well, and that's kind of my hope is that when I when I no longer have teenagers in my house, you know, several years from now, um, yes. I might have that time available. Yeah. I'm not running kids anywhere. I'm not going to their events. I'm going to miss all of that. But yeah, uh, then I'll have the time to be able to to make this work the way that I need it. Well, and, totally. I, and I kind of am a little bit jealous of your ability, Jeff, to dedicate that 20 minutes, you know, from time to time and just squeeze it in whenever you can. That's one of the, I guess, detriments I have with it being out in the garage. I literally uh, have to step outside and it's been this way at my old place too. So I have to step outside, walk through the winter, the hot, whatever it is in to get there. And so it just seems like, oh, unless I can give it an hour, <laughs> two it hours. Really worth it? Is it really worth it? Exactly. It's just like, <laughs> and so sometimes I'll just be like, no, I'm not going to go out. I'll, I'll put her around the house and, and do a little this, a little that, whatever, and, and waste time there. Um, hopefully I can get out of that and just get out there and walk to it and, and get to work for a couple, three minutes, 20 minutes, whatever the case is. Anyway, my next one is about the work surface as well. The desk is really important to me. Um, I have two solutions, though. I use an IKEA solution for my school desk, but it's their conference table. It is a fairly big for a single desk, really small, I would assume, anyway, for a conference table, but that's what it is. I was at IKEA. I'm looking around. Oh, conference table. I like that size. So I bought it. And uh, But what I ended up doing was I ended up buying adjustable legs so I can hit a button and I can convert to a standing desk. I had a button again. I go back to a seated sitting desk. And I really like that because, you know, you talked about the importance of your chair. That's hugely important. But sometimes I just got to get that blood flowing. And so I actually, when I'm at the school anyway, I will do all of my videos that I do standing up because I just have a little more energy and it just is... I just feel better when I do that. Of course, the camera is right behind the monitor. Uh, but when I'm standing up, it just feels better. And I, I think I'm better on camera that way. Uh, at home, though, I don't have those adjustable legs yet. Eventually, I think I'll do that. But I do have a custom top. So I built this custom item. And there's only one right angle in it. It's got a nice big curve. So it somewhat wraps around me as I sit there. And it's just massive. Uh, I took a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood and just basically cut out these little few things. And it's a massive surface, and it's it's beautiful, and I love it. So, uh, yes, the creative workspace on your desktop, 
but man, you guys, we've already talked about keeping it straight and keeping it <laughs> clean, <laughs> hugely important. And that just, with all this real estate to put something on, oh my goodness, it can really, <laughs> really get going with a lot of clutter. Yeah. For all sure. right. So let's uh, turn our, our conversation to a little bit of uh, listener feedback and then kind of uh, move on uh, with what we want to add and whatnot. Because actually the first one here that the listeners said, uh, you touched on a little bit, Connor, and that is music. Uh, so I asked the listeners to chime in via our Facebook group and certainly glad they did. We've got a lot of responses and it's just awesome. So music was popular. Nate Harris says he listens to Electronica. Uh, Jose Mat- Matutina says Rachmaninoff Concerto Number Two. So two very different <laughs> approaches, <laughs> right. which is awesome. I love it. This is great. Yeah. Uh, Sherry Hinchman with Zowski says Tom Petty, and Kara Allison McMahon Holdman says just music. And Robbie Giorlando says some music or a podcast playing is good. So I want to ask you guys. Now, Connor, you you mentioned you know speakers and the like. Music is good. If you listen to music, I'm just curious: is there a certain uh, that you always listen to? Is it random? W- w- what drives your music selection? It really depends for me. Sometimes I'm in the mood to listen to an audiobook or podcast and not have music, just just be a little bit more mentally engaged. If I if I'm going to music, sometimes I will just put my Spotify on its recommendations. Yeah. Um I I have one playlist that I've been adding to since um early last year that is just a random assortment of songs. So it, it's pretty much anything if it if it catches my ear as I'm out in the world, I will look it up and add it to this playlist. Um, and that's that's now a few hours long that I can put on. And uh, so far, I haven't really gotten tired of too many songs. I'll, I'll kind of, if, if something is wearing on me too much or I've put it on for nostalgia's sake and it's, okay, I, I got that kick out of yep. it, I'll, I'll remove them from the playlist. <laughs> um, but for the most part, this playlist is is something that, that I'll go to and it's it jumps all over the board. Um but yeah, audiobooks tend to be okay. audiobooks and podcasts tend to be a, a common one for me. Good, Jeff. How about yourself? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to have two things that I do here. I do the same with podcasts, uh, but also sports radio. So I, okay. I love sports, and I there's the the local sports radio stuff here in Utah is available in podcast format. And I, that way, I can even skip through the commercials, which is awesome. That's so, great. <laughs> so. Uh, so I put that on sometimes um, when there's sports going on that I care about, then I might use that. And and part of the reason for it is I can kind of tune out a little bit what I'm going on and, and I don't feel like I'm missing a ton. Whereas if like I'm amazed, Connor, you can do a book because if I'm if I get going in my editing, I think I would miss entire chapters. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say when I do audiobooks, it is always lighthearted th- things that don't <laughs> really have any kind of consequence. Usually the podcasts are not heavy infotainment type podcasts. They they tend to be a bunch of goofy guys talking type podcasts. Things yeah, that sure. I can I can check into, listen and enjoy, but then once I'm really focused on cleaning up skin or something, then I tune it out and I'm just right. focused on something else. So here here's the other thing. I did a podcast on this ages ago it was an early early podcast episode in photo taco but um there's a guy carl franklin he is a developer he writes that music to code to music to code by yes you knew about this okay so what what was going on was he was um he was a developer working i think remotely a lot back in 2015 and he got this idea of like he was doing this too. Like, how am I going to stay focused? I, I like to have some kind of noise going on, but music with lyrics can drag him away from focus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he also, so he started to look into it and he found that researchers had kind of discovered that as humans, most of us can only really focus and concentrate for about 20 minutes. That's it. After 20 minutes, your mind starts wandering. You have a hard time focusing and you're not as productive and it's it's a time that you need to go take a small break. It doesn't have to be very long, just a few minutes, but stand up, get a drink, whatever, something like that to to make it so that you can now get another hard focused 20 minute session in. Uh, it's good for our bodies to move around too. It's not good for us to sit prolonged for long, long periods of time. So um, he kind of correlated that research. And he decided he wanted to work, look at what kind of music he could create that would help enhance your focus not detract from it 
And so he did a Kickstarter campaign uh, in 2014, and he he got he he wanted $7,500 to like research the music and and create the music. He got 10 grand. It was funded. He did it. So in 2015, he released his three 25-minute tracks that he developed as uh, working through it scientifically to how do I do it? So he played with beats per minute. He played with tones, a whole bunch of things to try to make it so that you could see what will help you to to focus. And so uh, so I've used that a lot. And there, so it's two really cool things. He, he researched the beats per minute and what really helps you to enhance your focus. Plus, they're designed now to be 25 minutes. And so, you know, when the track is done, it's now time to go stand up. It's go time to do something for a few minutes and then you can put another track on. So I'm not saying you have to go to get these tracks. It's just a couple of, uh, of tips that I, I think might help a lot of listeners about uh, making sure that you can get that focus. If you have like a, a big job ahead of you and it's going to take multiple hours trying to slog through it at three, four hours at a time and not do anything else is, is going to be tough. That's going to yeah. be really challenging for almost any of us. So splitting it up into 20-minute chunks uh, it really just enhances your focus and your ability to get through the job. So it's, it's a good thing. And to piggyback on that, um, so so the idea that you can only focus for 25 minutes, um, I believe that the person who originally did that research um, invented the technique of studying for 25 minutes at a time and, and taking breaks. It's called a Pomodoro, um, which is Italian, I think, for tomato, mm-hmm. uh, because he had a little tomato like egg timer that he would use to um, set himself off on. So if you don't want to if you don't gel with that style of music sure right in the music to code by there are little applets that you can get that are pomodoro timers where you can set a a goal for yourself this is something that i'll do when when i'm studying and i'll set a goal for myself where i want to make it through three pomodoros and it's just a constant timer where it'll count down for 25 minutes have one little notification hey your your time is up and then give you a little five minute break that counts down there and give you another notification where you go okay it's time to to get back in because sometimes when you break that focus you'll say oh like okay i'm just gonna go do one thing and then sure enough an hour later you're (laughs) like oh i should probably sit down and do 25 more minutes yeah Uh, and so having that extra little notification of like hey it's time to focus back in i find really really helpful i don't have any specific recommendations but if you just look up pomodoro app there there are dozens of them that um, could serve you well if you're trying to to take advantage of that information the other thing that became kind of a big deal since all this research you know, with social media, there's so many distractions and we tend to check it so frequently that disrupts our focus too. So it's another really good way to stay focused is, you know, get your phone a little away from you, close down the browsers and make it so that you're not going to go for that 25 minutes. You're focused on this topic, you know, in 25 minutes, then I can go check Facebook, right? Go check Twitter or, or whatever else you might want to do for a few minutes. But you got to put a time limit on that too. But, you know, five minutes, maybe 10 minutes and then say, okay, now I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go 25 and, and just focus and, and not allow myself to go get on any other thing else. It's just doing my job. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting because sometimes uh, like I, a lot of my photo work is work. So there are times when I don't really want to edit the thing right. because it's not right. fun, artistic, beautiful. It's just like, OK, I'll, I'll get this done. And so I'll find any excuse to procrastinate and just telling myself, all right, I'm going to just do one. I'm going to do one 25 minute session. I'll edit through some things and, and see what I can get through. And then sure enough, by the end of that 25 minutes, I don't even want the five minute break. I'll, <laughs> I'll just keep going through. And yes. it can be really helpful to sure. have some sort of timer that you put on yourself where you just say, okay, put everything else away for this 25 minutes. If you get through that, your goal is achieved. You can feel good. You at least did 25 minutes of what you need to do. And, and it's great for those kinds of, uh, procrastination busters. Do you guys find that the type of music, it does affect how you're editing and, or maybe the speed or the, the style of images you, you just talked uh, there, Connor about, you know, doing work based images versus the more fun based images, do you do you choose a music depending on what you're editing? I don't okay. personally. I, I think it's more just whatever my mood <clears throat> is. Uh, sure. I try to find music that'll complement um, my my mental state more than yep. the edits, especially for the work type processing. Yeah. It's I have standard procedures put in place. I, I edit pretty consistently across the board there. So maybe if I'm doing something artistic that has a theme to it, I'll try and find music that feels like it fits that theme. 
Um, but otherwise, not really. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, and we had mentioned the idea of headphones earlier. That's one thing that's I find is a benefit for being out in the garage. I like to feel the music when I'm doing something. So I've got a thing that, you know, a speaker system that hooks into my computer, but it's got a subwoofer. And mm-hmm. it's really nice when the bass line comes in to feel <laughs> a little bit of that that vibration, that jolt, that pounding, whatever. And that can just, you know, distract you and kind of just going away in Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever. And you just kind of, you're in the groove and you're just moving along. Yeah. Uh, so that is nice. I do appreciate being able to crank that puppy up and and not bother the rest of the family or anyone else because, well, now our nearest neighbor is probably 100 feet away, whereas before it was like 500 feet to half a mile away. Um, uh, but with, we do live a little bit closer to neighbors where we're at now, but st- still I don't think I'm going to bother them if I if I turn it up. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> so um, let's continue on with some of these. Uh, Len Grink, and I hope I'm saying some of these names properly, especially anyway. Chris True, they suggest also a good share, although Chris adds it has to be cool as in burr. Uh, Paola Sparkles says she needs a giant screen. We talked about some of that as well already. So she's got herself a 27-inch iMac. And then Steve Anderson says, My workspace has my early pictures in pride of place. It reminds me of why I take pictures and where I started. It reminds me of the passion and love of photography I've had in the early times. The pictures in my office were all taken with film in the late 90s, and I don't even have the negatives. Wow, I didn't even have the negatives. I could totally agree with that. I have some pictures that I will go back up in my office and they are mostly, if not all, no, I've got one waterfall from the Columbia River Gorge area that I took on four by five film and uh, black and white negative four by five inch. And then the rest, I believe, are from Croatia. And I mean, that's just like my drop dead, perfectly awesome favorite place to to, to ever go again, to, to shoot and return again. And then I've got a few actually from around town uh, when I was doing uh, some composites for a, when I was getting my master's in photography uh, degree. So I have some some other of those that I have that go up in the office too. Uh, what about artwork uh, for you guys? Is there anything like that that you guys have in your spaces? I have some I really need to do more. Yeah. <laughs> I need to add a lot more here, especially because I'm on conference calls all the time. So the background in my room is seen a lot. Yeah. And and uh, people, the little tiny bit that I have up, people have asked about. So it would be a good way to, you know, just show off my work, have more people be able to see and appreciate the the photos that I do create. But it's it's good to see them too. Good to have like goals of like, this is my current best, but I can do better. I, yeah. can, I can get better images and uh, so, yeah, I, I need to do that more. I have a printer here. My wife is after me all the time. Like, why aren't you printing more yeah. photos? Yeah. And so so I need to do more. But like, it, it's, again, it's that priority of like, I have more photos I want to work on. I don't want to take the time to go print them right now. I, I've got more work to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> that definitely makes sense. I, I have a bit of that myself. Uh, so I have artwork in in my office so right behind my screens i have a 32 inch canvas of my wife in this field of flowers it's a photo i really like that i took of her and then back here my mic's kind of covering it for the video for you guys but i have a picture of my dog in against a white backdrop and then uh, over my other shoulder here i have um, a collection of photos from my trip to Denmark and Sweden. So I have I have a map of where we were, and then a bunch of just little. Um, they're not they're not beautiful pieces of art, but they're just memory type photos that remind me of that trip. Um, I have I have other prints that I have ready to be framed. I just I'm the one that wants I want to make my own frames, and I haven't had the time to do so. So I have a few others from other trips, but otherwise I. I kind of have that same problem that Jeff described of seeing your old work and wanting to do better, but it just makes me angry. I don't like, <laughs> I don't want to have that on my walls unless there is a sentimental reason. So that's yeah. why I have a beautiful photo of my wife, a beautiful photo of my dog, and then sentimental photos of places that I've been. Because yeah. if I have work that I'm proud of now, um, I know in a month or two months, I'm just going to be like, I could do better than that and get sick of it. And I don't want to have to keep remaking frames. Yeah, I totally hear you there. 
that's why I have Croatia images up. You know, those are the images that just that has that that my especially my first time I went to Croatia it was just like so moving and so just like this is amazing. That was way back in two thousand five. I think what I'm going to try out this time around. I put a link in the show notes to the Rijks Studio, the Rijks Museum in the Netherlands, I believe it is. They have gone through a huge progress, a huge project, I should say, of digitizing every single one of their works, and they. I mean, we're talking multiple gigapixels almost it seems with some of these images they'll they'll take a Hasselblad 50 megapixel image and they'll take like um a hundred different images and stitch it together that's how much resolution yeah. we're getting and so I could take some of those download those they're all free and I could take some of those and kind of put a little bit of an inspiration wall maybe that's my, on my orange wall I don't know but I could have an inspiration wall to where this is what I see when I first come in and then I can totally just swap it out, you know, just make a new 13 by 19 print every time I feel the need to swap it out. And I go find something alike, print it up there. And that can be kind of a continual inspiration of the old masters kind of an idea. So ever since I talked with Enrico Fassati on my Latitude podcast, I was like, I need something like this of these old masters to give some kind of influence. I went and bought a whole bunch of books and they've sat on the shelf forever because the <laughs> summer has been what it is. And um, now it's going to start coming off the shelf and we're going to start uh, getting these th- kind of things going again. All right. Um, Selena Swafford, she says, having incense lit, she likes that. Um, usually some type of Zen music. So back to the music with no lyrics or nature sounds. I'm a fan of Enya myself, although she does have some lyrics. I can't understand them usually. So <laughs> that's okay. It's like there's no lyrics there. Uh, Jeremy Swartz uh, likes to have a second monitor. So we certainly have talked about that, but he has it to play a video on one side. So it might be like a YouTube video where he's following along with a technique possibly. Uh, he doesn't elaborate there. Uh, Manuel Laura, he agrees with me that quiet is important. He also adds darkness is important. And there's no windows uh, in my office, uh, as I mentioned, so I can make it super dark for myself. In one sense, I don't like that. But in another sense, I'm not going to have the varying light qualities that you have with the window. And so, you know, maybe I'll try and focus on the benefits of that. You guys, do you have windows in your uh, in your spaces? I have a window, but I, the blinds are drawn always. <laughs> always, yes. <laughs> so that I, I can control the light. Yep. Yeah. I have a window, and I will open it up sometimes. Yeah. Not often, um, especially when editing. I like to not have the light contamination. Oh, yep. Um, but yep. The, you know, there are times where I'll just get a little cozy, a little comfortable, and start falling asleep. And it can be nice to open up the window and just Absolutely. have that daylight coming in to the the otherwise dark cave. Yeah, a little bit of a fresh air too, maybe is just yeah. that can really just whew, set the mind free. That's that's good. And then James Grieve, he says um, he always tidies up his studio. So we talked about clutter free, and I I totally agree with that idea. Um, he also although says he adds that uh, coffee is important and some good relaxing music. For me, it's if if I need something like that, which sometimes especially in the winter time, I love mint tea. There's just something calming and just the smell, it's all good, love it. Roger Dahlman, he likes a second screen as well, and uh he will even though bring a spare with him when he's on a road trip. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. That's, That's dedication. Awesome. <laughs> Man. And, yeah. And then Martin Zeman uh, says regular breaks are important. So certainly we've talked about that as well. Uh, yep. Art Fager, uh, he needs dedicated studio space, uh, that separation of some distractions he's highlighting. So that's certainly good. We've already talked yeah. about some of these. Um, and then Chris Dolman says coffee, definitely coffee. So that rounds out for what I have, at least the time of this recording from this from the um from the listeners. So any last thoughts that we may have missed that you, we just got to mention before we go to doodads from either of you guys. One last thing that I think is really important for your office space is not so much the office space, but the computer on which you work. And that's <laughs> ah. keep your files as organized as possible. This is another change that I've made. I had had reasonable file tree tiering system before, but, um, I definitely found myself wasting lots of time looking for old things and finding an organization system that works and tools that help you keep that organization system are great. Um, so that's that's one other thing. It's not just the, your physical workspace. It's also your digital workspace that's important to to have 
a certain kind of organization and have thought go into it. Yeah. It sounds like another episode, Connor. Yeah. I think you might be right about That'd that. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Let's get off to our doodads. And, um, so Jeff, uh, let's, let's have you bring up what, what's your doodad that you're going to be talking about. Okay, so uh, autofocus micro adjust, AFMA for short. Uh, different camera manufacturers call this different things, but for DSLRs, this can be a super important thing. Um, I, there's been so much debate on this online. I've seen groups saying this is not a thing. You don't have to worry about this. Others like, oh, this is such an important aspect. I fall in the second camp and I, I'm doing some big testing just to kind of uh, validate it more than I've ever done before. So I've, I've definitely done AFMA a lot. I've, I've talked about this on Photo Taco quite a bit. Um, and it, so here's the concept. The concept is your lens, the specific lens on your camera, it doesn't like make model to and your camera they have to be in sync as far as the focus box. If you use the viewfinder, so that's like the, the thing at the top of the camera you look through with your one eye versus the, the live view. That's a whole different way that your camera is using doing focus. But if, if you're using the viewfinder, there's actually a separate focus sensor in the camera that is doing controlling the focus that is not your sensor that's going to be taking the image. And they can be, things can be a little out of sync and it only takes a tiny millimeter kind of thing here for it to be out of sync and focus will struggle and it will consistently be poor. Um, a lot of people, a lot of photographers will say, oh, I got a bad copy of a lens and they'll send the lens back because it, it never gets sharp for them and they'll try to get another. There could be other factors involved with the lens too. So certainly if you, you're not happy with the lens, send it back. That's, that's great. But uh, AFMA is a way to be able to try to do this. So this br got brought up again because I had a neighbor of mine who does some phenomenal newborn portraits. She is uh, really, really good at this. I am so bad at that. And she she just does an amazing job. Well, she recently, um, because she she's in this space, she's got some heroes of hers, which I can't imagine how much uh, how she has a hero because she does so <laughs> good at this. But um, but she all of them shoot Canon. All of them have Sigma lenses. That's that's what all of them are using right now. And she was Nikon. It was enough that she decided I got to change so that I can be more like I can get results more like I'm seeing these others get and I'm not getting those results. Interesting. So, so totally separate topic. But anyway, so she got a, a Canon 5D Mark IV and she bought the Sigma lens and she was horribly disappointed because <laughs> her images were all soft. Everything was soft. The focus was just not tack sharp like she wanted. And she heard me in the past talk about how um, things can be tuned. So she's like, would you do this? Would you tune this for me? I just want to see if it'll make a difference. So I did. I got her lens and a camera and I, I set up the stuff and I did. I, I got the calibration done. And she's like, wow, this is amazing. This is a, this is what I was hoping for and uh, and was really excited about it. So it, it definitely helped in her specific case. And with this lens and camera combination, uh, it was it was front focusing a lot. Hmm. And so mm -hmm. so I had to I had to, to change the calibration anyway. The, the point is I'm doing a whole bunch of of uh, deep dive into this. My testing, I'm, I'm taking 100 images and I'm racking the focus and then and then focusing on I'm using a, a target that will be able to show this. And I'm going to show before, like at zero for AFMA values of zero, how many times focus gets nailed, how many times it's right. And then as I use the various methods, there's three main ways to be able to do this AFMA stuff, um, which one which values produced more results and what was the um the increase or was there improvement in getting focused shots through the viewfinder in doing this? So I'm, I'm going to have some stuff out on the website soon about this as I'm wrapping this up. But I'm, so I'm, I racked the focus to the left, take 100 shots, racking focus in between every single shot. And then I'm racking it to the right and taking focus after 100, 100 shots. And I'm going to get like the hit ratios and be able to, to show you kind of why this is a big deal. If you're a mirrorless shooter, you don't have to worry about this. This There's not a separated <laughs> sensor from <laughs> the, the focus sensor is the sensor and you don't have to, to worry about this. Although I know some cameras are offering something here. I just, 
I haven't looked into why anyone would need to do this on a mirrorless camera because it's it's not solving the same problem anyway. Yeah. And so um, so there you go. I'm going to have something over on Photo Taco soon. Cool. I, I need I need a, one of those 20 minute sessions to go get that finished up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. Good. Connor, how about yourself? Well, I, I think I'm going to change the one from what I wrote down in our show notes. I'm going to change it to the book Getting Things Done All by right. David Allen. Okay. I, I think that it, it was a great enough read and has made significant enough changes that have been for the much better in my life that I would recommend other people go and read that book or, or get it on Audible and listen to it on two times speed because then you're getting it done that much faster. All right. That's right. <laughs> Good. All right. Mine, uh, I put a link in there. It's rather expensive. It's the the frame only for these legs for the lift desk. And it's by Uplift Desk is the company. Uh, it costs about $499, but you can put any top on it. And I just love it because I bought the kit that has the, the buttons you can push and it just automatically rises to the preset level. Uh, and it has four presets and then it has the manual up and downs and uh, so you can set it to any level you want, and it's great. And it's I'm a I stand about six two, and it can get taller than is comfortable for me. So it can get really tall, and it can get really low as well. So it's quite flexible and quite, um, you know, does does a good job there. So if that's uh, interest of anyone, you got the, the link there, and you can check that out. All right, a few reminders for everyone as we close out the show. MasterPhotographyPodcast.com is the home for the show. It's where we put the show notes. And, of course, it's also in your podcatcher, your podcast player. But we have the the detailed show notes there as well on the website. We have our Facebook group, of course, Master Photography Podcast. And we invite all our listeners to join if you haven't joined. We do have a simple question or two there. You just have to name one of the hosts of the show. So certainly... Uh, Jeff would work, Connor would work, I would work. Um, my name, of course, is Brent. And then we also have uh, Brian and Erica uh, that are part of the team. And then if we've had other guests, you know, we had Jim Harmer on recently and a few other guests like that. Feel free to mention them too if you'd like. Uh, that'll get you in. We just want to make sure that we've got listeners, actual listeners joining. So we just uh, love to have you there. And um, that'd be great. So, Jeff, where can they find you at? You can find my uh, my work at jsharmanphotos.com or check out Photo Taco. Like I just mentioned, all that research I'm doing, you can benefit from that information over at phototacopodcast.com. I have lots of articles and I do monthly shows. And this was going to be my September show on the AFMA, but I, I don't have it done yet. We went to Yellowstone, so that <laughs> threw off my <laughs> my plans. So uh, so it'll probably be early October now that I'll right. release that episode where I talk about it. And then Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm on Twitter most. That's I, I like Twitter. So okay. if you uh, if you want to follow me there again, I'll have Yellowstone photos that I will be sharing and complete with all of the like uh, camera setup and settings and and what I did in post process. And Connor, uh, how about yourself? Yeah, people can find my work either on Instagram at Connor Hibbs Photography, or you can find me on my website, which is ConnorHibbs.Photography. Um, and I mean, if you really need to reach out, you could email me. My email is <laughs> Connor at ConnorHibbs.com. And I, I'll respond to things when I can on any of those uh, pieces of media. All right. And I'm going to kind of toss one out. We haven't um, mentioned this one before, but you guys are both part of the Create Photography Virtual Summit. Is that correct? Yes. So can you yeah. tell us a brief amount about that and uh, inform the listeners about that? Yeah, you want to take it, Connor? You want to go? <laughs> No, you can go ahead. <laughs> All right. All right. So in February, um, so it was going to be this weekend. And ah, okay. So it got changed. It got changed. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, uh, it was a little rushed and we want a little more time to, uh, to get everyone excited about having this. So, um, similar to the retreat where we all gathered together, but it, you know, not as much fun because you're not together. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but virtually, and there's going to be a whole bunch of speakers. Connor and I are participating, but there's there's uh, there's a lot of other Greg Benz uh, that some of you know because he's been on the podcast before. Um, it, we're all contributing time that you can be there. So you can buy a virtual ticket and be able to attend that summit that's coming up in February. 
I don't have the new dates in front of me, but I'll I'll share uh, information on that before. I, I already shared to the Facebook group um, when we were going to do it this coming weekend uh, some details, but I'll I'll reshare some more of that. So if you're listening to this, you can go to the Facebook group, or I'll make sure I have some of the details in the show notes too. If you're interested in that, we'd love to have you come and attend. So Greg's going to do luminosity masking. I'm going to do like live edits of, of some attendees photos and I'm going to talk about the select and mask workspace in Photoshop. Connor, what are you going to cover? Um, so I have two different sessions. My first one is covering going from snapshots, just the basic photos that anybody that picks up a camera that has no idea what they're doing, how they take photos and essentially have an interactive experience where we walk through how can we improve these portraits to make professional portraits. Um, so hopefully somebody will watch through that or come and attend that, be able to pick apart the photos. Everything's going to be my photos. I'm going to intentionally take bad photos and improve them. <laughs> so I, I invite people to come and tear my photos apart and just tell me all of the things that I'm wrong. And even when I'm telling you, yep, this is as good as I can do, you can still point out <laughs> all the flaws that I have. And my other one is going to be all about lighting and post-processing. Um, so something else that I think is important to note with this is that people that would like to register for the virtual retreat can save $50 by using either Jeff's or my promo code. I believe that it's just our last names. Um, I, I don't want to push p people to use one or the other. However, <laughs> if you go and use the last name Hibs, I am exchanging a half-hour mentoring session and or portfolio review for the use of that code, and you get a $50 off uh, bonus. I, I imagine if Jeff's not already doing something, he now has pressure to do something <laughs> in exchange for using his code as well. It helps us out a little bit. It helps the retreat out um, to find out exactly where people are, are coming from um, so they can use those metrics later on. Great. Perfect. All right. It's, by the way, are February 19th through the 21st. And oh, and sorry. One, one last thing that is important to note is even if you aren't able to attend all of these sessions, they will all be pre-recorded or not pre-recorded. They will all be recorded and accessible for perpetuity as far as I understand. Right. All right. Excellent. So we shoehorned that in there. Now we're going to get back <laughs> to our reminders. And I still have yet to tell you where you can find me because um, we covered you, right, Connor? You, you mentioned yes, your yep, website, your email and stuff like that. Good. So you can find me at latitudephotographypodcast.com, and that's where the, my show notes are for the Latitude Photo uh, Podcast. Uh, find me at my main website, just my name, brentbergherm.com, Instagram at brentbergherm, and then I've got a link to my YouTube channel. You can just search me there on YouTube as well. You'll find a few things there as well. All right, that wraps us up for today. Thank you so much, fellas, for joining me. It's been a fantastic conversation talking about all these things related to our creative space. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. It was fun. Yeah, excellent. And everyone, thank you for being here. And we'll see you again in another seven days. <laughs> <laughs>